Welcome to Crossroads, the broadcast ministry of Montgomery's First Baptist Church, where you can discover God's personal plan and power to conquer your problems through Jesus Christ. Join us now as God's Word heals, encourages, and enlightens your spiritual life. Would you come with me to Mark chapter 10? Mark chapter 10 will begin in verse 42 in just a moment. I would also invite you to find this piece of paper entitled, Follow Jesus and Use Your Gifts to Serve. Always move beyond what I have to say and listen to what God's Spirit is speaking to your heart and capture it here. Years ago, Napoleon Bonaparte was on the verge of conquering the world. He met with his generals. They looked at a huge map of the world and reportedly Napoleon pointed to the country of China and made this prophetic statement. He said, if the sleeping giant of China ever awakens, there will be no way to stop it. That's a good word. But let me parallel it to the church. Frankly, friends, when I look around and I see the massive church of Jesus Christ, it seems like it's partly asleep. It seems like the church is more snoring than soaring. There's a lot more spectating than participating. So I want to direct this word to the church because here is God's desire. He wants to awaken his church. I heard this funny story about a Sunday school teacher who was teaching a class of boys. And this teacher said, boys, do you know why the ushers asked the people to be quiet during church. And one little boy said, yes, sir, so they don't wake up the people who are asleep. <laughs> okay, my job is to wake up the people who are asleep. And uh, of course, you're not in that category. I can see you're bright-eyed, you're dialed in. But in general, the great need of God's church is to awaken and to embrace God's call for us to be unleashed. As a matter of fact, make this note. God's game plan for unleashing the body of Christ. Uh, so many people seem to be leashed. Leashed to their past. Leashed to their problems. Um, leashed to their sense of unworthiness or disqualification. Leashed to victimhood. You see, there's a better way. There's the Jesus way. Jesus has come to set you free. He has come to declare that you have been crafted with a divine design and you have a divine destiny. God wants to use your life in the development of His kingdom. He wants you to be unleashed. He wants you to be an impact player. And so let's pick up on our marching orders and they'll be found right here in Mark. Mark chapter 10, beginning here in verse 42. And calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great men exercise authority over them, but it's not so among you. For whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be a slave to all. Now listen to verse 45. For even the Son of Man, who is Jesus, for even Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. Dear Father, oh, Father, we promise right now to step intentionally into your presence and to come to full spiritual attention like a soldier listening to their general officer. Lord, I pray that you would get me out of the way and allow your spirit to sweep into this place like a tide and deposit your transforming truth into every receptive heart. I pray for that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, here's the goal, to be unleashed, for you to move from that position of being a spectator to be a kingdom participator, to embrace your call to serve. So let's start here. Make the first note, discovery. The first step in the process is discovery, discovery. Um, one of the most admired Christ followers in the last 100 years would be Dr. Albert Schweitzer. Perhaps you know Dr. Schweitzer's story. Uh, he is of German descent. He had a phenomenally brilliant intellect. He had four earned doctorates. The first was in music. He was a concert organist. Then he got a degree, a PhD in mathematics. His next degree was in theology. He got a doctorate in theology. But that wasn't enough, so he decided to become a doctor, and he got a doctorate in medicine. So this man was one of the most decorated, brilliant men in the last 100 years. As a matter of fact, in 1953, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Now, what did he do with all this talent? He followed the Lord Jesus into the darkness of Africa, into a place called Gabon. And for over 40 years, he set up a missions hospital. And he made this profound statement. Albert Schweitzer says, the only ones among us who will be truly happy are those who discover how to serve others in Jesus' name. You see, Albert Schweitzer divested himself of himself, and, and he discovered that the greatest goal of life is to do what Jesus did and become a servant. You see, Jesus is our ultimate example. What did he say? I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Friends, that's why this cross adorns this pulpit. The centerpiece of the life of Jesus, the call and heartbeat of Jesus is to serve, to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, and that is to cover our sin debt. That's why Jesus came. We were captives. That's what Quincy was singing about. And Jesus came to set the captives free when we know him, follow him, and embrace his call in our lives. So Jesus is the servant. Paul amplified it in Philippians 2 when he said, have this attitude in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the very form of God, emptied himself and became a servant. So this is our calling. We are to serve. To help you remember how to get there, I've played with this word serve, and let's fashion it into an acrostic. Uh, let, let's begin here. To help you find your service assignment, S stands for spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Um, you see, the Scripture declares in 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 
let me break it down in super simple terms. At conversion, when you are born again, God gives you the ultimate birthday present for being born again. And that birthday present is himself. The Lord Jesus promised in John 14, 15, and 16 that his spirit would come into us. His spirit, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, the spirit of the Lord, they're all the same. So the Lord Jesus has come into your life. He now inhabits you. And he is in the process of re-architecting your character so that you look like Jesus Christ. He is in the process of replacing self and selfishness with the Savior. That's how it works. He brings the gift of the Spirit, and the gift of the Spirit then brings these fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you want to be sure that you're really connected to Jesus, on the limbs of your life, you should be producing these fruits. Now, if the opposites are there, you're probably not connected. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. If you connect with me, you're going to produce fruit. But if the limb of your life is producing hate and hurt, there's no joy, there's simply bitterness and malevolence. If there's no peace, you're restless. If you're an unfaithful person, if you lie, if you're out of control instead of self-controlled, you're probably not connected. You see, those are the tests. That's how you know. So, what you want to be sure is that you've given your life to Jesus, and He comes in, takes up residence, and He begins to re-architect you. He gives you the fruit of the Spirit, and then He gives you an assignment. He not only wants to replicate His character in you, He wants to replicate His ministry through you. That's the goal. And so, you are called to discover your spiritual gift. What is your spiritual gift? It's kind of like a tool that you have in your toolbox and that tool is designed to allow you to join the Lord in building the kingdom of God. These spiritual gifts are listed three places in the Bible. In Romans 12, they are listed in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Ephesians chapter 4. Now, they're not a full list of the gifts, but they include things like prophecy. Some people are able to speak for the Lord. Another gift is teaching, exhorting, giving, mercy, administration, serving. But these special tools enable you to join the Lord in the task of building the kingdom. And do you know what happens when you do that? You complete your divine design. When I survey the body of Christ, I see some people, they're Christians, but they seem to be so down and negative and depressed. And I believe all that could be cured if you found your point of serving, if you found your point of fulfillment. You see, God has given you this divine design and this assignment. And when you plug into that assignment, it's like a basketball player going up and dunking the ball because they're six foot eight and they were built to dunk. It's like a singer singing a solo. It's like somebody who has a special gift and ability, exercise it and you'll find fulfillment and joy. But if God's called you to do something and you're sitting around like a pew potato, all you're doing is spectating instead of participating, then you are cheating yourself out of the significance, meaning deep joy that could be flowing like a river through your life because you're doing what God has called you to do. So find that spiritual gift and then begin to use it to build a kingdom. All right, that's number one. Number two, E, enthusiasm, enthusiasm. The next consideration 
in your service motivation and the equation is enthusiasm. What excites you? What brings you joy? What do you have a passion to do? You see, this connects to your kingdom purpose. Um, I've asked many, many people who stand at a crossroads and they're asking questions. Oh, pastor, what do you think God wants me to do? Here's a good question. If money was no object, what would you do and pursue? Let me ask you that. If money was no object, take that off the table. What would you do and pursue? What is your passion? What are you enthusiastic about? You see, the scripture says in 1 Samuel 12, verse 20, there on your worksheet, the goal of God is for us to serve the Lord with all your heart, to be wholehearted, to be passionate about what you're called to do. Now, some of you have this natural enthusiasm for different things. It may be teaching, it may be technology, it may be truck driving. Some of you may be into coaching or construction. You may be into taking care of the lawn or lawyering. You may be into ministry, math, medicine. You may be into the arts. You may be into academics. How did God wire you? I'm not sure, but you naturally have this enthusiasm for what is important to you. Now, friend, understand this. You see, ministry may not be your vocation, but your vocation can become your ministry. Because the Scripture says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it as unto the Lord. So your vocation, just because it's not linked to the church or being a missionary, that doesn't mean you can't be on mission. Use whatever God has given you a heart for to serve Him. I love our church family. I love to see this whole chancel filled with our musicians and people like Ronnie Shaw and Quincy Jones and Ed and, and uh, Carrie Shoemaker or, you know, what am I saying, Carrie Palmer, uh, using their gifts of music in order to help us worship. Oh, my friends, that is so beautiful because people are unleashing their gifts that they're enthusiastic about to build the kingdom of God. So I want you to ask yourself, what makes your heart beat faster? What are you enthusiastic about? And how are you using it in serving? The R stands for relational style relational style or your personality. Either of those would fit. Now, the Lord has wired us. We learned in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. When God makes us, He doesn't just stamp us out like a cookie cutter. He makes us with variety. I mean, everybody's different, as different as your fingerprint is. Some people are introverts, others are extroverts. Some people like the inside, others like the outside. Some people are thinkers, others are feelers. Some people are leaders, others are followers. God has given you a very unique personality. Matter of fact, one of the best ways that you can identify, uh, I heard a guy named John Trent do it this way. He linked the four major personality types to the animal kingdom. As a matter of fact, uh, let, let me walk you through it really quick so you can identify your personality. The first one, and there are many types of tests for this, but this is my favorite because it's so simple. The first one is the leader. That's the lion. And if I were to peg a disciple who looked like the lion, it would have to be Peter. Peter was the natural leader. Peter is the one who said, let's go fishing, boys, and the whole boat filled up. Peter is the one who preached at Pentecost. He is the leader. 
Now, then there's the otter. The otter is the connector. The otter is the people person, very relationship-driven. Maybe that's you. Actually, I'm kind of a combination, and we're a combination of a lot of these things. I'm definitely a leader. I'm a lion. I'm a visionary. But I'm also a connector. I love people, and I love to connect with people. And maybe you're that way. Now, the next personality type would be the golden retriever. And by the way, I would say the connector of the otter would be Andrew. Andrew was always bringing somebody to Jesus and connecting them. And then the golden retriever, that would be John. John, the beloved apostle. The golden retriever is that reliable person that's always there. You can always count on him. At the foot of the cross, there was only one disciple who had the courage to show up, and it was John. And John received the assignment of taking care of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mr. Golden Retriever, reliable. And then the last one, that's the beaver. That's the beaver, the one who is task-oriented, the one who's going to gnaw through it and get her done. That's got to be Matthew, the tax gatherer, the fellow who kept records. And fortunately, he kept accurate enough records, and we have a book named Matthew. So I would urge you to examine your personality type and understand how God has wired you. One of the primary features of working with wood is to know the grain of the wood. Uh, the man who made this pulpit is Henry Fraser, right back there. And uh, we talked about this pulpit. This is one of a kind. Henry's a master wood craftsman. And he invited me over to his garage where he had some Nicaraguan mahogany. And he said, we're going to build this pulpit, and it's going to be unique and special. What was the first thing that Henry did? He looked at the grain of the wood, and he cut this pulpit in accordance with the grain. Because if you try to go against the grain, it would be weak. It would break. It would have no strength or stability. You see, that's why it's important for you to know your personality type, because God wants to work with the grain of your creation, the grain of your wood, so to speak. Now, let's go to the next one. V is for vocational skills, vocational skill. Vocational skills link to your natural inborn abilities. It is your hard wiring. It's a special capacity that some of you have. Some of you have special capacities for math. Some of you have special capacities for music, for money, for computers, for tools, for teaching. Some of you have special capacities for food, and you exercise it regularly. Some of you have special capacities for working with children or using words. Some of you are great with athletics, academics, arts. Now, some of you are right here saying, well, uh, Pastor Jay, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just don't really have any special talents. There's a Hebrew word for that. It's called baloney. <laughs> As a matter of fact, if you say you have no talents, you are indicting the God who created you. So please understand that you have been given a lot of gifts. Even basic surveys reveal that every person has at least 500 to 700 fundamental skills that you have mastered just to be a, an adult human being. So you have this wonderful set of skills. Now, the Scripture says, again, go to your worksheet in Colossians 3, whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Every time I walk into this building, 
I got to admit, I think of David Payne, David Payne, the architect sitting right here. He designed this building and did a masterful job. And then Rush Stallings, one of our deacons. And Rush Stallings uh, was a young man who grew up here in Montgomery, and he just loved to hammer and nail things together. It was just wired into him. He loved to cut things up and saw and, and build things. And he was the one who was the project manager for this church. And I guarantee you, when Rush made this church, it was a holy endeavor. He did this as an offering to the Lord. But he didn't stop there. Rush has built our educational building. He just completed this wonderful foyer. Are y'all enjoying this coffee spot outside? Oh, man, it is holy grounds, so to speak. And uh, we go out there and just connect. But who made that Rush Dallings? He brought his little hammer and saw and screwdriver, and here we are. No, not quite. But he used his skills to wire this thing together. And you see, that's what God wants you to do. See, whatever you do as an offering to him, once a newspaper reporter was writing a Labor Day story. So this reporter went to a construction site and interviewed three workers on the same line. And the uh, first worker, he said, what are you doing? And the man said, well, I'm laying bricks. Can't you see? It's a hard, sweaty, dusty, difficult, boring job. He went to the next man and said, sir, what are you doing? He said, I'm making 20 bucks an hour. Then he went to the third guy and he said, sir, what are you doing? He said, I am building a church to the glory of God. All three on the same line, all three asked the same question, but they had totally different perspective. Let your perspective be whatever you do in word or deed, you are doing it unto the Lord. And then the E is experiences. Oh, don't miss this. Analyze your background, your upbringing, your education, the problems that you faced and see how God would mix it together so that you can accomplish his work. Uh, maybe you've had some difficulties in your life. As a matter of fact, maybe there's been an addiction that's hooked you or a great mistake that you've made. May I lovingly remind you that your mess can be your ministry. Your mistake can be your future ministry. Because of Romans 8, 28, on your worksheet, it says, we know that all things God works for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I think about my son, Jason, and my daughter-in-law, Catherine. They're a quintessential example. They'd gone to California for him to do law and for her to be an actress, and their life was derailed by an uninvited guest, a horrible brainstem stroke. And yet God mixed it together where they took their backgrounds, their abilities, and even their deep problems, and he is using them to build his kingdom. Last year they spoke to nearly 200,000 people in person. So God has taken their darkness and turned it into his daylight. They are kingdom builders because they've used their experiences for the king. Oh, friends, that's what I would urge you to do. And lastly, we've got to finish now. Here's the last part. Let's move from discovery on how to serve to deploy. Deploy. This is the heart of it. This is the heart of it. You see, the Scripture says in James 1.22, do not merely listen to the Word and deceive yourself, but do what it says. Be a doer of the Word. Don't sit and spectate. Participate. 
You're cheating the kingdom, and you're cheating yourself out of the fulfillment, meaning, significance, and joy that would flow into your life when you do God's work. Do it. I heard a funny story about this guy. His name was Billy Bob, and he was dating Betty Sue, and he was a young fella, and he was feeling all poetic and romantic, and he, he said, Betty Sue, when I look at you, I, I just wish I had a thousand more eyes to look at you all day long. Betty Sue, I wish I had a thousand more hands to hold your hands. I wish I had a thousand lips to kiss your lips. And she finally looked at him and said, well, honey, why don't you just use what you got? <laughs> and I think that's what the Lord might say to you. Don't give me excuses. Don't tell me why you can't do this and that. It's out of time. You don't have the ability. Yes, you do. You have been crafted by the crafter of the universe. He has given you a divine design and a divine assignment. And he is calling you to find meaning and purpose and joy in your life as you serve the king of kings and the cause of causes. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing worship with us. We trust God has used this broadcast for your spiritual growth and encouragement. If this ministry has touched your life, please let us know. If you'd like to share in the cost of this broadcast, you may send your gifts and support to First Baptist Church. Your partnership with us will help strengthen and extend this ministry and will be greatly appreciated. And remember, when you are at the crossroads, follow Christ.